This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We have a very special guest in our second segment today I'm keen to tell you about. Author Russ Baker will be talking to us about his new book, Family of Secrets, The Bush Dynasty, America's Invisible Government, and the Hidden History of the Last 50 Years. Russ Baker is an award-winning investigative journalist, and he's done a hell of a job with this book, and we're keen to tell you about that in our second and probably third segments today. So let's jump into this program as we like to do with On This Date in History. Our date in question today is the 4th of November. On November 4th in 1879, California dentist John Beers patented an artificial gold tooth crown that could be glued rather than hammered in place. Hammered in place? Wow. Mr. Merlin, let's hear it for modern dentistry. On November 4th in 1942, after losing the final and most famous battle at El Alamein, Egypt, the German Field Marshal Erwin Rommel disobeyed Hitler's order to fight to the death and began a five-month retreat. One year later, the world's first self-sustaining nuclear fission reaction was achieved at Oak Ridge National Laboratory. On November 4th in 1956, Soviet tanks rolled into Budapest to stop Hungary's political reform movement and to prevent the country from leaving the communist bloc. Thousands were killed and wounded, and nearly a quarter million Hungarians fled the country. Reformist Premier Imre Nagy was captured and executed. The efforts against the Hungarians were directed by a later KGB head and Soviet Premier Yuri Andropov. On November 4th of 1979, in Iran, student followers of the Ayatollah Khomeini stormed the U.S. Embassy in Tehran and took 90 hostages. The Ayatollah released all non-U.S. captives and all female and minority Americans, but kept 52 men for 444 days. Apparently, Jimmy Carter had cut a deal to get the hostages out, but the Republican team, led by future CIA head William Casey and apparently Vice President-to-be George Bush, cut a deal with the Iranians to keep the hostages until the Reagan-Bush team was inaugurated. Fifteen years ago today, November 4, 1999, Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin was fatally shot after attending a peace rally held in Tel Aviv. The assassin was a 27-year-old Jewish law student, also a right-wing extremist and settler advocate, who opposed Rabin's efforts to make peace with the Palestinians. And finally, we should note that it was on November 4th in 1922 that the English archaeologist Howard Carter and his workmen discovered a step leading to the tomb of King Tutankhamun in the Valley of the Kings, Egypt. The boy king wasn't much of a distinguished pharaoh, but apparently his tomb was the only one that made it into modern times unpillaged, which is why the treasures it contains can now be seen in the Cairo Museum, and occasionally here in the U.S. when it's on tour. Now if I had known the line of Our quote of the day comes from boxer and hangover movie star Mike Tyson, who said, Everybody has a plan until they get hit. Our quote of the day comes from Seneca, 
who once said, Every man prefers belief to the exercise of judgment. Our jokes of the day come from the faux news section of the Humor Times, where an alleged article with a dateline Washington states that in a three-way swap that may be unprecedented in U.S. history, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton is set to become Vice President of the United States. Vice President Joe Biden will then become President of Afghanistan. In the meantime, Hamid Karzai will be traded to the Minnesota Vikings. Another one I like. Google ad actually clicked on from the disassociated press, which states that for the first time in almost three years, a Google ad was actually clicked on today, increasing the revenue of up-and-coming sports blog footballmoment.com by 12 cents. Our stat of the day is from a Gallup poll just before the election, which noted that 21% of Americans said they were satisfied with the way things were going in the U.S., that represented the lowest level of satisfaction Gallup has measured before midterm election in more than 30 years of tracking. Now that we've had the election, we'll see how satisfied people are going to remain. Now right, let's see if we can't jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. And apparently it was a good week for bribery last week when President Hamid Karzai of Afghanistan confirmed that he regularly receives bags of money amounting to some $2 million a year from the Iranian government for, quote, special expenses and helping people, unquote. Karzai, for his part, said the payments were a normal part of running his government and were not secret. He added that the U.S. also provides cash to some of his envoys, a claim the U.S. denies said White House Press Secretary Robert Gibbs, we're not, in the bi- we're not in the big bags of cash business. A likely story. If you're keeping track, Afghanistan is tied for second with Myanmar on Transparency International's list of most corrupt countries. Who's number one? Somalia. Current of the Week magazine, it was a bad week last week for Charlie Sheen. After police said the actor went on a cocaine and alcohol-fueled binge and trashed his New York City hotel room while a female, quote, escort, unquote, hid in the bathroom. Apparently, Charlie Sheen's agent said, Charlie had an allergic reaction to some medication. Now, speaking as a physician, I would note that I've seen many allergic reactions over the years, but I am hard-pressed to think of any that would lead to the destruction of a hotel room. And apparently it was an ugly week last week for British wildlife when it was revealed that Britain's largest known wild animal, a nine-foot-tall red stag, had been shot dead less than a month after it was discovered. Apparently Richard Austin, the photographer whose images of the stag appeared in newspapers a few weeks ago, said, growing that big and that huge and that magnificent, he was a definite target. Adding, with a set of antlers such as this deer had, it was basically going to kill him in the end. Austin had deliberately not revealed the location of the stag, dubbed the Emperor of Exmoor, for fear that hunters would target. Apparently, some jackass hunter found it anyway. The identity of the hunter remains unknown. Another thing, that line from Arthur, where uh, Dudley Moore looks up and sees a stuffed moose, looks at the house owner and says, You must have hated that moose. And finally, it was an uglier week last week for Mel Gibson, 
who's apparently fuming after he was booted from a cameo role in the upcoming film Hangover Part 2. Apparently the producers had initially offered Gibson a minor role as a Bangkok tattoo artist, then reneged when the rest of the cast refused to work with him. A source close to Gibson said he'd hoped the role would be the first step in a comeback for a career that's now in ashes after his highly publicized battle with ex-girlfriend Oksana Grigorieva, who alleges that he punched and threatened her. Said a friend of Gibson's, he doesn't understand why Mike Tyson, a drug abuser, was given a second chance in the first Hangover film while he was kicked to the curb. Well, it might have helped that when Mike Tyson was arrested, he didn't ask the cops if they were Jews. Or make references to the uh, female arresting officer's anatomy. That's just a guess on our part, by the way. And that guess, like all the opinions heard on this program, do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the regents of the University of California. None of whom, to our knowledge, were offered cameo roles in the upcoming Hangover Part 2. I suppose we got to get around to doing an election roundup, but I don't feel like it yet. Let's talk, let's talk about some stuff from the idiot file. In reference to elections from the, the other idiot file. Here's an item we simply can't resist here at Radio Parallax. Apparently, the Washington State Attorney General, Rob McKenna, last week called for a nationwide ban on canned drinks that, can, that combine alcohol and caffeine. This is in the wake of a party that apparently featured one popular brand, Four Loco, a fruity, inexpensive caffeinated malt liquor, which is nicknamed Blackout in a Can. Its consumption at the party led to the hospitalization of nine Central Washington University students earlier this month. Apparently six students at Romapo College in New Jersey were recently hospitalized after drinking Four Loco along with tequila shots. You know, you really hate to see the reputation of Romapo College damaged in that way. And no, we've never heard of it either. But apparently both these schools have banned the drink, and now 18 attorneys general have asked the FDA to review their safety. This correspondent has a sneaking suspicion that the beverage itself is not so much to blame as binge drinking by college students. Here's an item we probably should have made our stat of the day, which is that guns sold by a single Maryland gun shop have been linked to 2,500 crimes, including 86 homicides and 300 what are described as non-fatal shootings, assaults, and robberies, according to the Washington Post. you think this would cast some doubt on the conventional wisdom by some that uh, guns keep you safer. Sometimes they might, sometimes they might not. And apparently for the second time in recorded history... A disease has been eliminated from the face of the earth. You may perhaps be aware of the fact that smallpox to date has been the only disease eliminated from uh, the world. That was strictly a disease of humans. The veterinarians have gotten into the act now and knocked one out of their own. This was rinderpest, which plagued the world's cattle, killing up to 80% of the domesticated cows, water buffaloes, and yaks that it encountered. Said the U.S. Department of Agriculture's animal disease expert William White, This is something the entire global community can be proud of. It was a hard-won victory. The first successful vaccine was developed in the 1950s. And in 1994, the United Nations launched a worldwide effort to track and contain outbreaks. UN monitors have not seen a single case since 2001 in Kenya. 
Officials are now considering how many lab samples of this virus to keep on hand around the world for research or just in case the disease reappears and a new vaccine is needed. Anyway, let's hear it for the vets. Speaking of animals and bad ideas, which I guess we were, how about this one? A Maryland firm is renting drug-sniffing dogs to parents. Yes, apparently for $200 an hour, Dogs Finding Drugs will supply a trained dog that can detect even trace quantities of marijuana in the home. Company founder Ann Willis says she expects to do a brisk business. The need is there, Willis said. The desire is there. I'm pretty sure the money is there. And I'm kind of hoping for these poor kids' sake, the marijuana will not be there. Sad to note that Prop 19 didn't pass, but uh, we'll get to that a little later. All right, here's another article of the type that, well, frankly, we just cannot resist here at Radio Parallax. This item went out on the AP by Christian Francis, and I will just quote from it. Dateline, Colombo, Sri Lanka. It's not a wedding video to show the kids. Two Swiss tourists who chose the Maldives' white sand beaches as a setting to renew their vows were instead mocked by the officiator who chanted abuse and curses in the local language at the unsuspecting couple. The ceremony, posted on YouTube with English subtitles translating the abuse, has embarrassed the Maldives, and President Mohammed Nasheed condemned it as absolutely disgraceful. Police apparently arrested the celebrant and a helper, an apparent damage control bid for the country whose economy is driven by tourism. The video, which you've not yet checked out at Radio Parallax, shows the woman in a white dress and the man wearing a white shirt and khaki trousers standing with their palms facing upward around a table with two rings in coconut shells. The officiator begins chanting in the Devedi language that under the Penal Code Clause 7, forbidden fornication is now legal. He then goes on to personally insult the couple, calling them swine. The officiator goes on, most of the children you get will have spots on their skin. Because of these spots, your children will be considered illegitimate children. Speaking of getting married abroad, apparently Barack Obama's half-brother has taken a teenager as his third wife in Kenya. The newest bride of Malik Obama, age 52, is Shilia Ayango, 19. Apparently the girl's mother opposed the marriage, saying that Obama had been wooing Ayango for years and should have let her finish high school. Apparently, Obama said Iago didn't want to wait any longer, and he refused to apologize for the marriage. I am a Muslim, and I have the right to marry up to four wives, he said. I still have one vacancy. So, gals, you could be a half-sister-in-law to the president. Mr. McMillan, did the Tea Party hear about this one? I guess not. How long will it be before this is offered as proof that Obama's a Muslim? And speaking of the Tea Party, I'd like to note the comments made by Oscar Celador in Publico in Spain. He said that what's truly peculiar about this movement is that the deficit created by Obama is much lower than the one created by Bush. Much of Obama's spending was simply to repair the collapse of the financial systems caused by, quote, the uncontrolled capitalism, unquote, of the Bush era. You wouldn't think a writer in Spain would be a Marx Brothers fan, but Celador said to understand U.S. politics, we can only look to Groucho Marx, who said, politics is the art of looking for trouble, finding it everywhere, diagnosing it incorrectly, and applying the wrong remedies. Adding, of course, he was joking. The Tea Partiers are not. All right, final item for this segment uh, is the fact from the headlines of this week 
that apparently the GOP all across this country made big gains by denying global warming and blaming any efforts to legislate anything with regard to it as job-killing measures. Article by Renee Schuf and David Lightman, writing from McClatchy.com, noted that scientists say evidence from around the globe clearly shows that human activity is changing the climate. Conservative Republican candidates in the U.S. Senate races nationwide, however, don't agree. Apparently 19 out of 20 are in denial that global warming is a reality. And it should be noted that the uh, Republican Party in the U.S. is the only party that we know of in any major nation that is in denial over global warming. For example, losing Senate candidate here in California, Carly Fiorina, was asked at a meeting by Sacramento Bee reporters last March, do you believe in man-made climate change? She replied, I don't know. I don't know. But I think we should have the courage always to examine the science. Whatever that means. Oh, and one final item from New Scientist magazine on global warming. It turns out that evapotranspiration was rising back in the 1990s as temperatures rose, and that, of course, produced probably more clouds and mitigated the effect, but now the ground appears dried out. Apparently, the amount of moisture being cycled in the atmosphere from the Earth has begun to drop. Thus, globally, we can expect to see larger and longer droughts. And one thing that's sadly working against us is the decline in air pollution. Apparently all that uh, crap in the air kept the temperatures down a bit, which I guess, again, illustrates the law of unintended consequences, something we uh, always seem to bump into, don't we? Anyway, let's take a short break. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. Stay tuned for Russ Baker and discussion about his fascinating book, Family of Secrets, The Bush Dynasty, America's Invisible Government, and the Hidden History of the Last 50 Years. 